Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're just going to do a standalone sermon today. Um, And I think that that this particular Sunday is a great day um, for this particular sermon. It's, it's, we're, we're right in between Christmas and New Year's. We're thinking about new stuff and, and maybe you're, you're doing a perspective. You know, they do all these perspectives. They do all these retrospectives. Uh, Sports Illustrated is looking at the past decade and uh, Yahoo's looking at the past decade and everybody's looking at what's happened and what's on the cusp of the future. And so I think we tend to do that with our own life as well at this particular time. And uh, this particular message is... Um, I just, my prayer is that we are celebrating at the end of this day, and and you'll understand uh, what I'm talking about. This message is really for everybody, but um, there could be some very specific people who have found themselves uh, maybe not as close to God as you used to be. Maybe maybe you're not as passionate as you used to be. Maybe the fire is kind of flickering a little bit in your life, and and, um, you know, your your heart is not what it once was for God, and, and uh, it, it has kind of started to, you know, this passion that you had has kind of started to leak out from you. And uh, if that's the case, then today is for you. It's, this is a, a very famous, familiar homecoming story. <clears throat> Happens to be one of my favorite Bible stories in the whole Bible. I, I, I love the story of the prodigal son. And I hope by the end of this that <clears throat> maybe somebody in the room is ready to come home. Maybe by the end of this message, somebody has said, you know what, I've been out there, I've been running or I've been away for for far too long and I've allowed my my faith to become something that I never thought that it would be and um, hopefully at the end of this message you are ready to come back to the God that loves you uh, and to do that in uh, you know amongst a a group of people who who love you dearly Um, I like I said I hope by the end of this day we're celebrating I want to give you a word of warning before we get into this this morning and that is don't allow the familiarity of this passage to allow you to just go to sleep for the next 30 minutes. Don't, don't um, think, well, I've heard this story, and so because I know this story, I, I, there's nothing new in this for me. Um, I find that, that whenever I do, like I, I listen to a lot of sermons, and I've heard some sermons sometimes one, two, and three times, and I'll go back and hear it the third time and think, well, I didn't hear that the first time. So don't, don't um, just go to sleep on it. In fact, the prodigal son, uh, for most of us, I think, at some point, we find ourselves in this story, and we find ourselves um, th- that this kind of reads like our autobiography. Uh, and, and so let's just jump in. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, and he's teaching, and it's important that you understand that the story of the prodigal son is not an actual, it's not, it didn't actually happen. So I've heard sermons preached where you would have thought, that the preacher thought that this story actually happened. It it wasn't that. This is a story that Jesus tells to make some very specific points for his audience. And so he starts, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now I've heard sermons on this and I've heard lots of sermons on this. And one of the things that you hear Whenever you hear a guy talk about the, the story of the prodigal son is this guy, this, this kid, this son is made out to be some kind of villain, some kind of evil, evil, bad person who, who would go to his father and, and ask for his inheritance up front. And, and this guy, in a lot of ways, gets vilified when in fact, it's probably pretty customary for, for most kids to kind of want what it is that they think is coming to them. And I'm gonna get to something here in a minute 
that will kind of bring this home for us and make you see that this guy's probably not as bad as, as uh, we might want to make him out to be. In this case, there are two sons, and according to Jewish custom, the, the younger son would have, would have been entitled to one-third of the estate or the inheritance, and the older son would have been entitled to the, the other two-thirds of what was coming to him. And, and, and the problem is this younger son wants his just a little too early. And like I said, we, we want to vilify this guy, but before we get too far ahead of the, the, this, this kid and, and want to just beat him over the head with the, you know, the, the common sense stick, I would just remind you that we have a major debt crisis problem in this country okay and and we all like credit cards and we love the idea that you can go out and spend money on a credit card and not actually have to pay for it well that's kind of what's going on here i mean that's before we get too upset with this guy let's just take a look at ourselves and say you know what we're pretty good at doing that too we're at we're good at asking for stuff up front that we'll you know we think we, we want to have coming to us and, and we, we'll take it on credit or whatever we need to be careful to just not get all over this guy we're not necessarily told that he's evil we kind of make him out to be evil and a bad guy when in fact he's a lot like us this guy just he wants he wants all he can get when he can get it um you're not necessarily told that he's a bad guy at all um this young man may have been impatient and and he's probably a little bit arrogant but I don't know that I would go so far as to call him evil. And I say all that to say this. Many of you, and, and I have been guilty of this as well, we, we, we have drifted from God. And it isn't that you, you woke up one morning and you decided to ruin your life. You know, you don't, you don't just wake up one day and go, you know what, I think today is the day that, that I'm just going to go out and become an evil person and do really bad things and, and just leave everything else behind. It's not like um, this kid asked for his inheritance and his father, if his father didn't give it to him, he was going to smother his dad and take the money and go do bad things. It, I don't think that was the case at all. So there's nothing in the text to suggest this kid is, is really a bad kid. However, the scariest thing in this story to me is the fact that the father grants the request of the son. That's what's scary about the story. And here's what that tells us. That when you want to go your own way, when you decide, you know what, I, I, I see something out on the horizon that I think I want to pursue, and you want to go do your own thing, and you want to go flirt with things that you ought not, and you want to experiment with things that probably are not good for you, and you want to taste the other side, and you, you know, however you want to put it, and whatever's out there, and you think, you know, I want that, whatever that is. I, that appeals to me. I like that. I want more of that. God will often let you go your own way. The father doesn't fight with the son. He doesn't withhold what is coming to the son. He gives him what he wants, which is true of me and you. If, if, you know, if, if you're feeling distant from God in your heart this morning, it is possible that God has given you the freedom that you have craved for so long and the, and the, the space that you wanted. Uh, I have a little plaque, and maybe you've got one of these too in your uh, office or your living space I've got a little plaque that says, do you feel far away from God? If so, guess who moved? You know, it wasn't God. Typically, if we're far away from God, it's, it's not because God took leave of us. It's because we in some way have taken steps away from him and have allowed ourselves to, to uh, have moved away. And it's not that we're evil people. It's not that we're trying to do evil things. It's not that this son was an evil kid. It's just that you want to to do what you want to do and it, it's you're not intentionally sabotaging your life you're not intentionally sabotaging your faith you just want your independence and so 
God allows you to have whatever it is that you ask for. What's interesting is that when we get our independence, we oftentimes find ourselves in a place of real loneliness because God really does let us go our own way. Uh, college students, sometimes when they go off to college, they look up one day and they find that they're really, really lonely. And part of the problem is that they have moved away from everything that has been familiar and even their faith. And they get to college sometimes and they decide, you know what, I'm going to do some things. I'm going to try some things. I'm going to uh, go live a little bit. And the next thing you know, you wake up and you've got an addiction or you've got a bad habit or you've got something going on in your life and you think, man, I, 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 when did this happen and how did it happen? I don't know. It's because we looked out and we saw something and we said, you know, I think I want that. And we've moved away from the things that we uh, have really come to call home and what were good for us and what, what is God. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, when he set off for the far country, I think this kid had no idea what was waiting for him. He has no idea that he's about to ruin his life, and he has no idea that he's about to spoil his spirituality. The story in the far country ends pretty poorly. I mean, as far as, I mean, the story as a whole ends pretty good, but, but in the far country, the way this thing ends up, it's not real pretty. And he has no idea that's going to be the case. He has, he has no idea that he has set off in the wrong direction. I'll bet that's been true of you, too. I know it's been true of me. I've set off in the wrong direction and not even realized that I was going in that direction or uh, that I was going in a wrong direction. You just really have no idea sometimes. And if you'd known what was coming, you'd have said, you know what, I want to get as far away from that as I can because that's not good for me and I don't want that to be the case. And, and, and sometimes we just take these steps and you look up one day and you realize I'm in a place not supposed to be. I heard an old preacher say one time, sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go. It will keep, your, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will make you pay way more than you ever thought you wanted to pay. It happens all the time. People think they know better than God. They demand their freedom. They head off in the wrong direction. They have no idea what awaits them, and they make a beeline straight away from God. And sin always takes you farther away than you want to go. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it always costs you more than you want to pay. Can you imagine um, what it would be like if we could just lock into that? Can you pinpoint the time in your life when you set off in the wrong direction? Can you pinpoint a time in your life when you ignored good counsel and, and went ahead and did anyway what you were being told really wasn't probably the best thing for you? Or can you pinpoint a time when the Holy Spirit was prompting you to do this or to stay here and you basically just relegated the Holy Spirit to the last place in your conscience and you said, you know what, you're the last person I'm going to listen to. This young man is about to locate himself outside the protection of his father and he set out in the wrong direction. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. Now there are three things that I would point out to you about that verse. Number one, he had spent everything. Number two, there was a severe famine. Number three, he had begun to be in need. I want to say a little something about each one of those. First of all, some of us in the room this morning have spent everything, and now maybe it's time to look back and say, you know what, I think it's time for me to return to God. And it's because we've outrun our resources. And, and, and you know, what happens is we read this 
particular passage and we read it in one sitting and because we read it in one sitting I think we we just think well this is what this was a quick story this didn't you know this happened maybe overnight or this was just a week-long thing I, I think probably <clears throat> and again this is this story didn't actually really happen but but if you unpack this in your mind you think to yourself you know if this story really were to happen it probably would happen over several weeks possibly months I mean this this could have been a long time coming and nobody wakes up on Monday morning and says, you know what, this would be a perfect week for me to go forfeit my future and my spirituality on the altar of my selfishness. No one, no one does that. Nobody wakes up and says, you know, this, is, this is would be a great week for me to wreck my whole life. We don't think that way. This guy didn't just wake up one day and decide, you know what, I'm going to take my money and I'm going to go just ruin my life. It, it, it rarely is a blowout that gets us. It's usually a slow leak. It's usually just this, this uh, light hissing sound that you hear and you know something's not quite right. You don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, it's been two and a half years since I read my Bible. No, it's, it's just a slow leak. It's, this, it's this, <clears throat> this journey that you start to take and you move away from God and the next thing you know, you look up, you haven't been in your Bible, you haven't been around people who can really help you and give you the right counsel. And the next thing you know, you're so far away from God, you, and you're asking yourself, how did I get here? You know, what, what did I do? He never intended to end up in this position, but he came to a point where he began to be in need because there was a severe famine in the land. Let me, let me just say something about our current economic situation. I, I want it to improve as much as you do. I mean, I, I would like to see our country get back to... Uh, being a little more prosperous and a little in better financial shape and I'm sure we all would like that and probably have prayed even to that end but I think sometimes um, it would be better said that I would rather God heal us than heal our country I think that, that sometimes what God wants is to knock us to our knees a little bit to make us see hey I'm around still you need to, to kind of lean into me and you need to pay attention to to me more than anything else going don't don't lean into your finances don't lean into your government don't don't lean into that lean into me I'm the thing that I'm the one that that can uh, can really do for you what you need to have done for you. Sometimes God brings us to our knees so that we'll turn our faces to Him. Jesus doesn't tell us how long it took for this guy to spend all of his resources. Maybe it was years and years, but one day it was all gone. And there's probably somebody in the room this morning that's thinking to himself, you know, I just feel like I've spent all my resources. You'd say, I've tried to find fulfillment in a lot of different things. And I don't know what that is for you, but it could be any number of things that the world offers that says, you know, this will make you feel better. This will fulfill you. This will give you everything that you want. And whatever those things are that you may have pursued, and you look up one day and you realize, you know what, because I've pursued that or because I've gone after that, I'm so far away from God, I don't even recognize who I am anymore. You know what it's like to try and meet legitimate god-given needs in illegitimate ways do you know what that's like it's like trying to to fill slake your thirst with the water from the ocean the more that you drink the, the more thirsty you're going to be and it's, the water from the ocean is not going to satisfy you and yet that's what we do we just we live life and we pursue things we see that you know it's bright and shiny or or you know it's it's pretty or it's going to make me feel better and so that's what i go after only to find that that really doesn't satisfy the way i thought it was going to to begin with and we set off in the wrong direction and we go our own way and we ignore God's advice because we think we know what's best. Isn't that interesting? We, 
we think we know what's best for us. God made us. God made the universe. He set the sun, moon, and stars in place. He knows everything going on. He made all, you know, 600 different types of beetles, and he knows all about the world, and yet somehow we think we know better than God what needs to happen, and we're so arrogant. Here's the thing nobody ever tells us. There is a grace period between sin and punishment, and it's called pleasure. I bet this kid lived it up for a while. I bet because uh, he did this, you know, he goes off, and I I bet it was fun for him for a while. And, And what I would say is, just because your life hasn't fallen apart yet, that doesn't mean that you're, you haven't gone off in the wrong direction. You might have more money in your bank account today than you've ever had in your life. You may be more popular today than you've ever been in your life. Doesn't mean you haven't gone off in the wrong direction. Doesn't mean that you're not going to eventually be, be in need. It's interesting that this says, the story says he began to be in need. You don't have to wait till you hit rock bottom before you turn back to God. You don't have to wait until it all falls apart before you come home. He began to be in need. Look how bad it gets for this kid. For someone in here, you know, you may say, well, I've spent everything I've had. I, I, I've, I had all this stuff and, and it's all gone. You've begun to be in need. You recognize, God, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not who you want me to be. I don't, I don't have the peace that I once had. I don't have the, uh, the, the same passion that I once had. Something is wrong with me. And this young man, he grows up in a palace. He finds himself in a pigsty. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. That's a bad job. (laughs) I don't care who you are, but especially if you're Jewish, that's a bad job because you're not only not supposed to eat pigs if you're Jewish, you're not even supposed to touch them. And this young man's feeding animals that his religious system is considered unclean In other words, he has sunk lower than he ever, ever thought that he would. It happens. You drift away from God, you end up in a place that you never thought you'd be. You know, we say things like, well, other people get divorced. I'm not the one that'll get divorced. Uh, Other people, you know, their kids run all over the place wild and crazy. My kids aren't going to do that. I'm stronger than that. I'm stronger than them. I, I... you know, I'm not going to end up in a bad place. And, and you look up one day and you realize, you know what? This drift has happened. This, this thing, I've, I've taken these steps on this journey and I've gone in a direction that I, I, I didn't even realize when I started was such a bad direction. But obviously it is because it brought me here and here isn't necessarily the best place because I feel like I'm so far away from where God is. Ever been there? Feeding pigs? Lower than you ever thought you'd be? We flirt with the line, we... You know, we flirt with sin, we flirt with rebellion and disobedience. We flirt with it, and we wake up one day and we realize that we've stepped way over the line. And we don't even know how it happened. Because if you'd known how it happened, you'd have never done it in the first place. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you are better than you have become. This kid, you know, he, he probably feeding these pigs you wonder you know if that were you or if that were me what would go through our mind one of the things that would go through my mind is i'm better than this man i'm I'm, this is what my life comes to i'm feeding pigs for the rest of my life not now if you're a pig farmer 
That's not a bad thing if that's your chosen vocation, but if you, if you didn't set out to be a pig farmer and you end up being a pig farmer, that's not success for you. If you wanted to be one and you are one, congratulations, successful you. But if you wanted to be a you know, computer salesman and, you, and, and all of a sudden you're in the pig farm business, it's like, no, this isn't it. This isn't right for me. He sunk lower than he's ever thought he was going to be. He stayed longer than he ever thought he would, and it has cost him more than he ever thought he'd pay. He's hired himself out, and he's feeding pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now hang on, because the story is about to get really good. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, I like that, when he came to his senses, some of you have maybe drifted and you come to church and you look like you're all put together and you know we're good at that we, we can come to church and we can make ourselves look all put together but inside we know we're not put together we know that things aren't what they're supposed to be the prayer this morning is that you would come to your senses that you would look around and you would say you know what i'm not supposed to be living here i'm not supposed to be doing this i'm not supposed to be in this place i'm so far away from god i'm better than this I'm not supposed to be considering this. I'm not supposed to be compromising my integrity. I'm not supposed to be cheating. I'm not supposed to have a dry prayer life. That's not supposed to be who I am or what I am. I'm better than this. You ever drifted away from God and you look up and your passion is cold? You just feel lost? And I, I have conversations with adults all the time and they tell me this. I hear this all the time. I just, Brett, I... I I, I just, it's gone. This, this love I used to have for the church, and, and I used to love to come to church, and now I just don't care if I go or not. Or I, I used to you know, love to pray, and now I, I don't feel like I've prayed an effective prayer in the last month or the last six months or the last three years. Sometimes I think we just got to look around us and we got to come to our senses and realize that we've taken steps in the wrong direction there is a great god within us he is the resurrection he is the power for living he is the unlimited god living inside of us verse 17 when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here i am starving to death i heard the story of a guy who saved his money up he invested all of his money to go on this cruise. He was going to go on a cruise. And um, he did not realize when he bought his ticket that, um, that the cruise was all-inclusive. Okay, so all of his food is going to be taken care of. He, he spends all his money on the cruise, and he doesn't know that they're going to feed him on the boat. So he's worried about, the money situ or about his money situation and especially the food. So before he goes on the cruise, he packs in his suitcase a whole bunch of of crackers saltine crackers and peanut butter and he says well i'll just eat saltine crackers and peanut butter on the cruise so when it's time to eat he's he's up huddled in his room spreading peanut butter on crackers he doesn't know that down in the in the cafe or in the in the you know dining hall that they've got lobster and prime rib and and all kinds of food for him to eat and he can go in there and eat whatever he wants and enjoy it just like everybody else he thinks he's got to be in his room eating saltines and peanut butter a lot of Christians do the same thing. We, we accept Jesus as the once-for-all sacrifice for all our sins. We place our faith in Christ, and then we get to heaven, 
you know, we, we, we know we're going to get to heaven when we die, and that's great. So we're on the boat, but we sit in the room, and we spread peanut butter on crackers. And we end up doing things in life and going places and spending time with people. It's just not who we are, and it's not who we're supposed to be. And we don't have to live that way. We don't have to huddle in some room, you know, limiting ourselves. When we can walk into the great dining room of God's grace and love and forgiveness and know that, I mean, there's, there's imagine the bounty that is there for you and me. And yet, we tend to not make that available to us by the way we live sometimes. This kid's thinking, here I am, I'm going to starve to death. When my dad has servants at home doing better than I'm doing. So he comes to his senses. He makes himself a plan. He's going to go home. He starts to, to develop this plan in his, in his uh, mind, you know, and, and this, this speech, this story. What do you do when you find that you're far from home and you want to go home? And you're in a place that you never thought you'd be. What, 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 what do you do? You, you, you're, you're compromising. You're, you're giving things up. You're giving stuff away that, that really belong to you, and it's part of your faith. It's who you are, and you never thought you'd do some of the things you're doing. And what does he do? He devises a plan. He rehearses a speech to earn the acceptance of his father. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. Now there are two phases really to this young man's plan. He's gonna confess and then he's gonna work his way back into his father's good graces. He realizes it's gonna take some time. He knows that he's just not going to be able to walk in and everything be the way it was when he left. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how you come clean with God. You confess your sin. Father, I've sinned. I, I, I've, I've, uh, I've been justifying it, but it's sin. And it's not right. And nobody else knows, but you know. And so I'm here before you and, and I'm just confessing to you that, that this thing that I'm holding in my hands shouldn't even be in my hands. And so here, Lord, it's yours. You take it away from me and cleanse me. Some of you today might be here and rehearsing your homecoming speech. You know, what you want to say when you finally come back to God. And you're saying things like, God, you know, if you will forgive me this time, I promise I'll, I'll, never, I'll never go there again. I'll never do that again. If you'll just this one time, I promise I'll always, and that's how we talk to God and we rehearse our speech. He's rehearsing his speech and he's getting ready to go back and get in his dad's good graces. He gets up, he's gonna head home. And at this point in the story, Jesus really could have turned this thing upside down. He could have just stuck with what was going on in culture. Because in the culture that Jesus was speaking there was a high level of respect for authority, especially for parental authority. Not so much anymore, right? We don't really live in a respect-laden culture uh, around here, do we? But in this culture, if the son was to approach the father, it would be a one-way deal. It would be the father uh, staying in place and the son coming to him. In this culture, the, the dad wouldn't move. The, the respect of the culture would dictate that the son would make steps toward the father and the father would let him come 
but he wouldn't take any steps toward the son. It was a sign of respect. And, and, and definitely in this particular case where the son has been so offensive to the father that the father, you would expect the father to just sit with his arms crossed and wait for the son to come back. So when this kid sets off to come home, this was probably a long trip for this young man. And, and here's the, the thing that gets kind of lost in this maybe is, you know, when you... get God's forgiveness, that's instant. That, that's a, I mean, God's forgiveness is a beautiful, instant thing. But sometimes the restoration process takes some time. Sometimes it, it takes a while to get back. You know, it, it takes some time to, you know, we read this story and, and you think, well, how far away was the sun? Well, he probably was a pretty long way away. I, you know, I mean, you get to write in your own imagination, you get to write this story, but if I was writing it in my imagination, this kid doesn't get home in one day. It takes him a while. And he probably doesn't get home before dark. And sometimes, you know, when you receive the forgiveness of God, that's one thing, but to, to get all the way back to the place you wanted to be, sometimes it takes some time to do that. He sets off in the direction of his father. And at this point, really, the... the the son is supposed to be making all the moves, but, but what we read is entirely different than what the culture would have dictated. Look at what it says. But while he was still a long way off, I love this particular part of the story. This is really my favorite part of the story. While the, he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. What I like about that is that the, the way Jesus tells this story, uh, the father is you know, while this kid's a long way off, that tells me that the father's still looking for the son. He's, you know, he's, I'm sure they didn't have field glasses or binoculars back in those days, but if, if he did, he'd have had him out, you know, he'd have been looking for his son. That's the way this reads. God doesn't have to come to you and me. God doesn't have to stand at the gate looking on the horizon for you and me. It isn't supposed to work that way. We sin. We're the ones that go our own way. We do our own thing. He doesn't have to come to us, but he does. And he runs to us. That's the amazing thing about God. Let me encourage you this morning. <laughs> at least you're at church this morning. You know, at least you're at a, at a place where you can hear God's voice. At least, at least you've, you might be struggling. You might be having a hard time, but you've at least taken one step in God's direction this morning. You've come to hear what God had to say to you. The Bible says that God laid aside his deity. He emptied himself. He became a man. He walked among us. He took a towel, girded himself about, and he served us. And then he died on a cross for our sins. He came to us. He ran to us. He embraces us. He forgives us. Verse 21, the son said, to him and it's interesting because this kid's rehearsed this speech remember the speech that the that the kid was going to say to his his son his dad was pretty long and he doesn't even get it all out then the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and against you i'm no longer to i'm no longer worthy to be called your son and before the son can even get any more words out and remember the speech was longer than that we hear the father breaking in verse 22 quick bring the best robes and put it on him Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. 
Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let me tell you something about God this morning. And if you've got all these reasons why you can't come back to him, you know, what will my friends say or what will my, you know, my wife knows the truth or my husband knows the truth, what will my spouse think? Let me ask you something just as a parent. Those of you who have kids, if you had a kid and that kid grows up and decides that he wants to run off and do his own thing and he runs far away and you send out posses after this kid, you look high and low for him. You can't find him anywhere. But you never give up hope. You always keep looking. But you can't find him. And then one day, your phone rings. And on the other end of the line is your son or your daughter. And they start to go through the whole thing about, you know, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I, this is what I did. You know, I, this is what I was thinking. And they go, they're, they're rehearsing their story. They're giving you their speech, just like this kid did. You know what you would say at some point in that whole conversation? Son, daughter, I don't care what you've done. Shut up and come home. Shut up and come home. I don't want to hear what you did. I don't care why you did it. All I know is I love you. I've missed you. This is your home. You're welcome here. We want you home. So just shut up with the story. We don't even want to hear the story. Just come home. I think that would be, if I, had, if I could title this message this morning, that's probably what it would be. Shut up and come home. Stop making all the excuses. Stop trying to rehearse your story for God. Stop trying to justify it to God. Stop trying to say to God, God, this is why I did this. You know, I was going to do it this way. You know, we got all kinds of excuses, all kinds of explanations, all kinds of reasons why. And when you try to make them make sense to God and get him to understand where you've been and why, and you try to justify it all, I think what God would say is finally at the end of the day, just shut up and come home. You, you, you've, you've come to, you've come to your senses, you've realized you're a long way away from where you're supposed to be, just shut up and come home. You're never going to explain it. You're never going to justify it. This is the good news. This is the good news. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice, the Father does not argue with the son's assessment of his sinful condition. The father doesn't say, oh no, you're not that bad. That's not what he does. Father, I'm a sinner and I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father says, yeah. But not only am I willing to accept you back, I'm willing to give you everything that you thought you had lost. Kill the fatted calf, bring me a ring, put a robe on his back. He belongs to me. He's a part of the family. Let's have a party. My son is home. Ephesians 2, 1 says, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. That's basically what the father, father was thinking this kid had probably died. You know, where is he? What's happened to him? This kid was lost. He had drifted and now he was found. Let that be you this morning. Let that be you in 2010. Come to your senses you don't even have to rehearse a speech. Just come home. Just, just come to your senses, realize you're not where you're supposed to be, say, you know what, I've drifted away, and just come home. For some, there, there's not ever been a decision made for Christ. If that's you, I would say, you, you need to make a decision for Christ. It can happen for you. You can be like the Burleys. You can be like the Millers.
I'm going to be like Shelby. Let 2010 be different. You don't have to stay in this place where you're in the far country all this time wanting to go back home. You can actually come back home. Let that be you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, don't know what kind of year it's been for some of the people in the room in 09. I know 09 was filled with a lot of stuff. In my own life, there was good stuff and bad stuff. 09's been a good year. It's been not a great year. That's probably true for all of us, Lord. I think just about anybody could read this story, Father, and find themselves in it somewhere. If not now, at some point in their life, we can all relate to what it is to to come to and realize we're in a place we're not supposed to be. And so, Lord, this morning, as we've uh, considered your word, I pray that we, as we've probably rehearsed our story and rehearsed what we were going to say to you, we would finally hear your voice and just hear you say, all you want is us. We just, if we just would just come home. You want us home. So Lord, we stand here this morning telling you that we love you. We aren't perfect and you know that. We're a mess and you know that. But God, life happens and life gets in the way and, and things separate us from you. And we don't want that and we know you don't want that. And so this morning, um, I just pray that we would, we would just right where we are, do whatever business with you we have to do and no one else might even know. We could be having moments in the room right now, God, where nobody else even knows that bad stuff's been going on and they've been a long, long way from you. And so, Father, together we lift a corporate prayer that says we are sinful people. We have a penchant for sin. We're drawn to it. And it leads us away from you. Father, we love you. And we want to come home. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to do that. You are a good and gracious God. We give you thanks for your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.